0: All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucksters? What the fuckabillies? What the fucking ears? What the a knots? Hi, it's Mark Maron. How are you? Are you okay? Everything good? Are you running? Are you driving? Are you on the train? Are you at home cooking or cleaning? I hope it's going okay. I don't know how you're listening to this or where you're listening to it. I just talked to somebody who uh, who I met at a party. The other night, the 4th of July, and she said that some of these uh, episodes were, were, were so moving that she would uh, be moved to tears, um, and she had to stop listening to the podcast at work because she didn't think that when she told her coworkers she was listening to music that they were buying it, and she had to keep her shit together uh, at her job, and I, I took that as very high compliment. Some of these things are emotionally compelling but uh I, I i'm sad that i can't help her uh, distract herself from her job anymore but uh but it was for good reason can i plug for a second because i got these shows coming up in boulder colorado friday july 24th at the boulder theater and at the uh, paramount theater in denver colorado on saturday july 25th and uh, i like some people to go we I mean, were doing okay But it'd be nice if more people came. I I don't always know if people know I'm coming. It doesn't seem that there's anything I can do to to get the word out as efficiently as I might want to. So I'm telling you now. Boulder, Friday, July 24th. And Denver, Saturday, July 25th. That's that. That's how that goes. Uh, Laura Jane Grace is on the show today. She is uh, the singer the band against me punk rock band that's been around for a lot of years I knew nothing about them I knew nothing about her when I got the uh, the record in the mail I don't even know who, who sent me the record but I put it on as I do many of the records I get most of the records I get and I listen to it and I'm like damn uh, this singer means business this band means business there's a lot of, a, a lot going on Here, there's something underneath all this and the band the the album was called transgender dysphoria blues still had no idea knew nothing about him and it turns out laura jane grace is transgender and uh it's relatively new uh that she is laura jane grace and I became sort of fascinated with that because whatever that struggle was, in my mind, when I just did a little bit of research, really informed this record. That this record was about, you know, real change, real conflict, struggle, uh, and um, and uh, identity. And I was uh, nervous. I, I don't know if I was nervous, but I'm, I, I'm awkward in... I've not. It's it's. I mean, I'm sort of an old guy when it comes to this, the uh, the politics around it and the social momentum, and and I and I didn't know if I was going to talk right. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying it's new. I just it's not in my everyday life necessarily. It seems like the younger people uh, who who kind of came up with it and grew up with it, uh, like uh, the woman I'm dating, Sarah, who spent a lot of time in San Francisco, and she's uh, uh, in her mid 30s and. It was just it just is what it is. But I, I I seem to have missed that, or perhaps I was just in stand up comedy clubs my entire uh, young adulthood and not out in the world. But I was I was nervous in a way because I've 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 made I've I've said look, you can say whatever you want. This is a weird thing about about words, names, you know things that are that we evolve out of culturally be in in this this sort of reflects back to my conversation with the president and to you know some of the the type of feedback that comes around words is that you know censorship is 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 really cultural it's it's no there's no law saying you can't say anything you can say anything you want free speech does exist you can say whatever you want just know that that if you say something that uh is hurtful or insensitive or objectifying hateful you're going to feel that you're going to have to answer to it perhaps but it just it's not taken lightly and then i understand like you know there is an argument that like people shouldn't be so sensitive or or what's it what's happening people should be able to take the hit or whatnot but the truth of the matter is, no one's telling you you can't say anything. You just might end up only hanging out with people that say that because they're the only people you can say it to. And then you're just going to have to assess, is that the group of people you want to be hanging out with? And, and are we in the right place with things? I mean, I'm I'm a comedian. So we uh, you can say words that are culturally inappropriate, hateful, uh, objectifying. You can say them to people that, that uh, they may be... Uh, in in a broader sense directed at but those people have a sense of humor about it and that is part of your uh, unique relationship with that person that's fine but you you know if you say them if you defend your right to say them to a large group of people you better you better have a pretty good defense on some level but I had a thing uh, with the word uh, tranny I believe I talked to RuPaul about this who who then defended the word and, and got his own flack from it and and uh, you know, in my mind, it, there's—it just seems to me that that words come and go. That words, uh, there, there—it's something about a social democracy, a cultural democracy that eventually, you know, public opinion, you know, moves past it out of respect for for the usually minority that uh, was being uh, dehumanized by the language. You don't say Chinaman anymore. You know, you don't, you don't say WAP tranny you know seem like uh, an innocuous one to even me but but it it, as as culture evolves and communities grow and and demand uh the respect they deserve as people uh, maybe the slang bothers them maybe it hurts their feelings maybe it makes them feel less than but no one's saying you can't say anything it's just the way cultural democracy works and social democracy works is eventually it's sort of like Hey, well, you know what? Uh, this 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 word is is, uh, is, is hurtful and, and uh, it's uh, dehumanizing and and it's making a, a community of people uh, feel uh, shitty about themselves. It's not easy for them to begin with, but they can say it. <laughs> that's it. That that that's that's just that's that's just part of the uh, the way it goes. But uh, to demand equal rights on that, well, then you're going to have to sort of really explain. Uh, where that's coming from, your need to say that, whatever that may be. But getting back to to Laura Jane Grace coming over, I I just needed to know there was a lot of things I needed to know, and there was a lot of things I needed to know about her. There was a lot of things I needed to know about you know my engagement and interaction with uh, transgender people, and uh, you know um, I I I I want to grow. I want to be up to speed. I want to be appropriate. It, it, it's hard. It's a hard shift to make around, um, you know, just changing habits, especially word wise. I mean, it was, look, it's it was hard. It's hard to let go of, of certain words, uh, uh, you know, especially when they got a little punch to them. I mean, you, you know, I, I, I it took a, a lot for me to let go of retard. Any of the flack I got for that was from families of uh, mentally challenged people. It's, uh, it's hard for me not to, uh, to use the word cunt, but I never use it for women. I only use it for men, and, and I'm still not quite past that. Uh, sometimes I enjoy uh, you know, calling a, a guy a cunt on Twitter. Sometimes I, I enjoy it, and it's hard. It's hard to let go of that. Tranny was not a big one that I used a lot, uh, so that one wasn't hard to, to shift out, to rotate out. But uh, you know, we all miss- make mistakes. I said gypped the other day and someone said you know that's that's swaying is derogatory you know against gypsies and I'm, and then my first response is like really really is there anybody really upset about that gypped? So it's like Jude down yeah but does th- that really i mean I, I, okay yeah all right okay, okay 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 i'll i'll be aware i'll be aware and i will ch- and i and i can take that out of rotation because once you start doing that, and once you start being aware of those words, it sort of opens you up to experience things in a new way. It, it, it opens up, you know, a different type of respect. It takes down a wall that's sort of defensive or, or based on lack of uh, sensitivity, and it opens you up a little bit. And I, and I was very open here. You know, I, I liked Laura Jane Grace's work, but, uh, but I was nervous because I didn't want to be inappropriate in terms of how i handled the conversation around what i needed to talk about which is what, what what happened inside of you to make these decisions i want to know i want to feel what you feel i think i think i did all right i think so been going through stuff doing some summer cleaning and and folks i do try to listen it, this is the interesting thing about the uh, you know sometimes things get through I get a lot of artwork, which I always keep, and, and I'm running out of space to, to, to put it up. Uh, I appreciate all of your creativity, and I'm very flattered by it, even though uh, the president saw it as narcissistic. A lot of the pictures of me are pictures that you guys do uh, here in the, uh, in the garage. All the CDs that come from you personally and the vinyl that comes from you personally, I try to listen to. Uh, More so the records, because I'm into records, CDs, I'll go through, but I make snap judgments. But I'm just telling you this, sometimes things get through. I will listen to all the vinyl, at least once, for a bit, and a lot of the CDs, and sometimes things get through. Like um, Against Me's Transgender Dysphoria Blues, it got through. And uh, they are on tour right now. Uh, Against Me is on tour. You can go to againstme.net for tour dates. You can get Transgender Dysphoria Blues and you can pre order their new live album, which comes out in September. And then they've got a very the very prolific band. There's a big catalog there. So now now I'm gonna talk to to Laura Jane Grace.
1: I actually put all my stuff in storage right before I left on this most recent jaunt, just because I was like, my landlord wanted to raise the rent, and I was just like, screw it. This is ridiculous. You know? Oh, my God. Paying, like, whatever. That's for crazy art, touring. Yeah, well, that's that's what you got to do to make, <laughs> make a living as a musician, you know? But I mean, like, uh, do you have a house? Um, well, I-, I own a house with with my ex who i'm going through a divorce with um so like i own a house in florida that i rented out what part of florida st augustine oh really but be, beyond like having a house there i've been in chicago for since like 2013 or whatever in an apartment in an apartment yeah in in chicago mm-hmm. since 2013 yes august of 2013 that's when he split up with the wife that is yeah huh that's when, you, when it all went to shit that's when everything got <laughs> fucked yeah <laughs> Life has a tendency to do that to you sometimes. Well, you've 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 gone through
0: some uh, dramatic uh, shifts
1: (laughs) in in the last few years. That's
0: understandable, huh? Yeah, but like, here's the thing: is what I was telling you is I know we have a lot of common fans, and people were excited to uh, to have us talk. Is that I don't know where I got the new record, the the transgender dysphoria blues, but it was sent to me by your label. Or somebody. Well, and I'm. I,
1: we're our own label, so I don't know. I don't who know said how it. I got it. <laughs> yeah, you, but that's cool. You have it. You didn't send it to me. No, uh. Uh-uh. I mean, unless maybe our management did or publicist. I don't know or something like that. Yeah.
0: All I know is that like I get a lot of records, you know, and and oh, I get a lot of records mm-hmm. sent to me, and I listen to them, and I put this one on, and I'm like. Well, this sounds fucking real like i and like and i'll listen to records that you know people send me and they don't always click you know right. for whatever reason i do too yeah right and mm-hmm. you just put it on and you're like i'm not going to listen to this again yeah but this one i'm like i got to listen to it again and and i was like there's some earnest angry interesting shit on here cool and then and then i kind of did a little research into you and i'm like who the hell is this person <laughs> well and then then like when i when i oh, i think i actually tweeted that i liked the record mm-hmm. and then everybody was like oh you gotta have laura on and and then i realized that you have this following and you've been you've been around for a while so yeah. and then i had to go back as i do and i gotta buy the other records see I, you sold a few records yes. in the last few yes. days <laughs> but the interesting thing about it is like the the and i also had to look up dysphoria most people trip up and say dysmorphia or some
1: other variation well, I, well, of that. Right.
0: Well, I, I didn't know what exactly it was, but it's like a fairly familiar state to any creative person. It's an uneasiness and a depressive
1: uneasiness, right? right. Kind of the, the opposite of euphoria.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. So, but it seems to me that, you know, despite the the title of this record and whatever you've gone through recently, that like for, for someone who has gravitated to punk rock, dysphoria was something you live with
1: all your life. It was, yeah, for sure. I mean, it was what pushed me to punk rock, just because punk rock seemed like such a. It was, it was like armor, you know, yeah. Like studs and spikes on your leather jacket and a mohawk, and right? Like, yeah. So, where, but where'd you grow up? South Florida, Naples, Florida.
0: See, I don't, I don't know anything about it. I know Florida. Like sometimes I, I get a little weird about Florida, but my mother lives down there. A lot of people there. do. Yeah, well, like, a lot
1: of people's mothers live in Florida, right?
0: <laughs> but like, uh, but like, there's there there's an element down there. In my mind, like and they people have gotten mad at me for busting on Florida, but some people there's like uh, it's sort of the end of the line down there.
1: For, yeah. Uh-huh. For, in a lot of ways, mentally and physically for some people. For sure. And well, that was very much the perspective growing up of like, you are at the end of the line and the only way to look was North. Cause right. unless you wanted to swim, you right. know, like you, yeah. you had to go North, especially Naples. Yeah. And that was like, you know, pre-internet days. So it's like no bands ever toured down there. There was no pre-existing punk scene. Yeah, you know, That was when you really had to kind of invent your own thing when you were a kid. How old are you? I'm 34.
0: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And in what was your family like? I mean, where, where, what were they doing down there? Why'd you end up there?
1: Uh, my, I grew up in a military family and my parents divorced when I was like 12, 13 years old. So I moved with my mother and my younger brother in with my grandmother who had retired to Naples, Florida. So that was it? Yeah. Uh-huh. And that that doesn't sound great. No, I mean, it was not a good experience. Well, we, we moved from Naples, Italy to Naples, Florida. Oh. And I had lived in Italy then at that point for like four or five years. You know, yeah. and really had gotten accustomed to that because it was probably like from grades like like second grade until like fifth sixth grade you know Uh uh-huh and there's an american base there there is Uh Uh uh-huh and then
0: what kind what was your what what was your dad in the military
1: yeah he was a west point graduate so he was a major in the u.s army wow is he still around uh he retired he did 20 years and then he retired outside of fort leonardwood in missouri
0: really and do you guys talk
1: Mm, he hasn't talked to me since i came out or we haven't talked since i came out yeah since you came out is there now is there a process is there two processes of coming out I guess there is when you're somebody who, like, does interviews and, you know, has a, a public persona, there's what, the, the private and the public, sure.
0: Right. But I, I, when you say coming out as a transgender person? Yeah. Uh-huh. And that was, uh, what that, that becomes uh,
1: relatively obvious, though, so eventually, right? Well, that was kind of the point, was to go ahead and come out before anything was relatively obvious. Because right. Because I thought that that would, like, especially having, you know, I play in a band, I have a career, and, like, people in the punk scene are, in general, kind of homophobic and right. sexist. So if I I would have not come out and just started like wearing eyeliner or expressing femininity, I think people would have been like, you know, way more unaccepting that if I had just said, look, this is what's going on to me. Can you please fuck off while I go through this and just like, you know, (laughs) maybe it'll be weird sometimes. I might not look totally Uh, great all the time, you know, but this is what it is. So you know ahead of time.
0: So, but it's it's sort of funny though, like in, in my mind that that like real punk rock purists, if you just started showing up with eyeliner and stuff, they might, as you know, they might even think that you were moving towards some other type of music.
1: Oh, totally. Well, like Green <laughs> right. Day, Green Day is a great example yeah. of that. I mean, that was the per- first punk show I ever went to, and yeah. people make fun of Billy Joe sometimes for making for wearing eyeliner, yeah, yeah. which is totally homophobic, you yeah. know, and totally transphobic, and fucked up. You know? yeah,
0: but it's also it's also like I, I think it also represents another kind of music. I mean, you see, you know, makeup more in goth and in rock and roll, and I think maybe punk is sort of supposed to be just, you know, raw.
1: Right, I guess. I, I mean, it depends on what kind of perception of punk rock you had, and like, because like, if you look back at like lineage of punk bands, like Susie yeah. Sue Su and the Banshees, sure. they were a punk band, sure. you know. Like, they, right. like, I mean, even the Cure had elements in punk sure. rock starting yeah. out, you know. And like, there used to just be a wider variety of what was able to interpret. Uh, Mike Ness, Social Fucking Distortion, another state of mind, is right. like, you know, covered yeah. in eyeliner. The whole thing
0: because I talked to him. Who did I talked to, Mike Watt, recently, and there's like, because uh, there's a punk rock style, but the uh, the original punk rock was really just about doing whatever the fuck you wanted
1: totally and that's right. what attracted me to it because that seemed like it would be more of a safe space you know? yeah like, yeah yeah and a lot of the like especially like late 70s uh english peace punk bands that were really into anarchist politics yeah. and stuff like that i was really drawn to that just because that was even way more liberal and like way more about like you know gender liberation and smashing you you know s- but smashing
0: they, the state <laughs> but they happened to like earlier i mean you're know, coming to that they, they were already nostalgia acts by then right by the time you were coming to it like they've been around a while
1: yeah although it's funny to think about that stuff because i think about that in like rela- like relative to my own career and yeah how like okay you know almost been a band for 20 years and how like has it been 20 almost yeah. yeah and like the that it doesn't seem like as wide of a gap even though it is as long to compared to when i was listening to those bands from the late 70s early 80s right like only 10 years difference i guess that's you know? right
0: yeah 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 so okay so your your dad and mom split you're 13 he's in the military he hasn't talked to you now what in like three or four years yeah but you were talking before that
1: yeah i mean you know it's tough like when we when my parents split up you know like there was a definite separation and you know that like it was a dividing thing in my family yeah kind of in ways relationship never really recovered you know were you close when you were a kid yeah i mean you know the military is really a thing you know and if you're someone who's you know, went through, went to West Point, and has been in the army for a long time. Like, you know, generally being really emotionally expressive or close, you yeah. know, and like open, like that is not a thing. Right. Right. You know, like it's just kind of a cold, especially when it's a German background too. You know? Oh, really?
0: Mm-hmm. He comes from a German background. Mm-hmm. But what about your mom? Uh, what kind of background? Well, what no, I mean, like, how was your relationship with her? Was she the buffer?
1: Yeah, and I mean, I was really close with my mom. I was first kid or whatever. I have an younger brother, but there's right. two.
0: He is. Mm-hmm. Where's he at?
1: Uh, he's in South Florida. Really? Uh huh. He's like, see, if I wouldn't have started smoking when I was thirteen years old, I would have probably been his height. He's like six seven. He, uh, you're pretty tall. Yeah, six two. But again, that would have been another five inches if pretty I wouldn't tall. have started smoking. <laughs> um, but he like he cracks safes for a living, and he owns his own business installing like high end security system for people and security systems in South Florida. So you guys get along. Yeah, we do. Uh-huh. All right, so there you are.
0: You're like, uh, what do you like so you get there when you're like 12 or 13 in Naples, mm-hmm. and and what, what's it what's it like down there? I can't picture it. Is it just a wasteland, or what? Is it pretty?
1: Well, it you know, starting then was a real period of economic growth where like. You know, during that period of time, I think there are more millionaires per capita in Collier County, Florida, than mm. anywhere else in the U.S. And the two cities in, in Collier County are Naples and Immokalee, Immokalee being a migrant farm worker community with, like, extreme levels of poverty, right. you know. um, So, there was a real contrast. And in general, like, it was a retirement community. So, it's an older Republican white retirement community yeah. that doesn't want youth to be... That to be seen or heard really. right you yeah, know yeah, so yeah. there wasn't there just wasn't a lot to do besides like get in trouble you know right
0: and what was the, what was the kind of trouble you were getting into
1: um you know it like small shit like vandalism like yeah. you go to a golf course and you kick all the sprinkler heads off and stuff like that and yeah. then you know
0: we used to rip head uh, hood ornaments off of cars yeah
1: or stealing chromies off of tires yeah, and yeah. stuff like that sure. you know or like Taking a battery and throwing it at car windows, <laughs> shit. dumb shit. Pellet guns. We had pellet gun. We yeah, paintball guns. All sure. that stuff. You know.
0: And what was the what was the the music that. How did you form your little crew? I mean, because yeah, I don't know what year. What year are we talking about? So nineteen
1: ninety three or so, something like that.
0: So 99. were you the uh, the oddballs? The that you and your friends were the you were the punk rock kids?
1: Totally. And we went like, I mean, my group of friends that I kind of went into high school with, yeah. like, we met in middle school, and like at first it was like you know listening to classic rock bands, Led Zeppelin, The Doors, Pink Floyd. It's the always Beatles. there, and, right? And then like. But that, like, there was a real disconnect with the, like, kind of hippie movement that we associated with that because we got beat up a lot. And it seemed like that, that was, like, by jocks. You yeah. know, like, we we were the freaks, you know, like, and you sit together at lunch. But not the hippie freaks. Well, it was all just, like, you were the, oh, the freaks. freaks. They're, like, right, they're right. small population, So it was, sure, like, the yeah. skaters, the hippies, yeah, the yeah, goth kids, right. everybody sat together. But punk rock appealed because it was, seemed a little bit more about fighting back. And, yeah. like, even if you were going to get your ass kicked, throwing up a couple punches in. Yeah. So that like and did you yeah totally totally I mean you know to varying results but it's it felt better to fight back you know yeah
0: (laughs) And, and what bands were you listening to
1: uh the first first record was Nevermind the Bullock, Sex Pistols. And then that led into the Clash and like there was all those classic punk bands that you first listened to, like the Dead Kennedys and the Misfits. Yeah. And then we kinda like gravitated towards what was more going on in the US of like bands out on the West Coast like Bad Religion and Rancid and No Effects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then like just like, you know, you, you back then you'd read the liner notes and see who they thanked. And then you'd go buy those records. Right. And if you liked them, you'd see who they thanked. And they were and go, records. Right,
0: yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Weren't they still records then? Mm-hmm. They weren't CDs yet? I did CDs and vinyl. But oh. I've always preferred vinyl. So when did you start playing guitar? Uh, when
1: I was eight years old. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So who taught you that? I mean, who gave you the guitar? I, I just... I saved up money mowing lawns, and I like got five bucks a pop. And that's where all I had,
0: where were you when you were mowing lawns? Not in Italy. Yeah, in Italy. Really? I ordered it
1: out of a Sears. You were the American Sears lawn catalog. mowing kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you, you, you ordered ordered out of a Sears catalog, what, were you time traveling? <laughs> <laughs> I did. It was a hundred and twenty-five dollars. You got a Sears guitar. It was a Harmony guitar. Oh, oh. Harmony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that a Sears? That's a Sears brand. It was out of the Sears catalog. Yeah. Oh shit! Was it was an electric. <laughs> no, it was an acoustic.
0: You what I, that's like time traveling to me. Like a Sears catalog. I didn't even know they still that was your idea? If I guess you're eight, we, what do you Like know? where
1: did you get it? We you know, when you when you're an American family that moves overseas, you're really cut off and especially back then, you're still really dependent on people back home and ordering things from back home. Oh, so someone got it for you? No, like I say that we, oh, you'd you, get the catalog, I saved my money and, and you then, sent away for it. Yeah. Uh huh. And I had to wait like a month <laughs> like and then they sent the guitar. And how'd you learn? I took lessons from an army wife at first.
0: Oh, really? Uh huh. And she just taught on base, and
1: yeah, it, no, no, she taught at her home. Like we yeah. lived off base or okay. whatever, and
0: so. And you went over there and you learned your basics. Yeah, just like once a week. G A C D E, then the bar chords.
1: I, you know, it's it's Move messed up though because like learning on a an, an acoustic like that, yeah. especially when you're a kid when you don't have strong fingers, like those guitars are basically yeah, like made for archery, like the steel action, string, right? The steel string, yeah, totally. Yeah. And the strings are like an inch yeah. off the fretboard. It's yeah. hard to press down. Yeah. So that was really discouraging at first. What was your What were your first songs? I wasn't really interested at first, like they, because it was all like you, you know saved whatever up for the guitar. What, I know No, but the book they gave you it was just like you know, it was like like Michael wrote his brother's. Yeah, like I didn't want to play that. So like I I stuck with it, but I never felt like I was like, oh, I'm bad. I can't really play this because I was totally uninterested. But I stuck with it, and then like finally, when I was like maybe 11 years old, I started like playing in bands, like just with my church group. We started up bands, and what what kind of church were you in? uh, It was a Presbyterian church that my mother brought us to. I have no idea. It was just more like when she divorced, she wanted to be social, and there was like child care. Sure, yeah,
0: yeah. It wasn't you didn't you didn't grow up with the weight of God on you.
1: Not not having. No, oh that's good yeah so now when do you start to feel different I felt different my whole life those yeah. are like earliest memories you know uh huh Like earliest
0: memories? Like what are we talking
1: about? If I can like think of my three earliest memories, which are like kind of just, you know, those weird disconnected visual impressions, I remember maybe being three years old and like standing on the top of a staircase as the first one. And then I remember probably four or five years old, Fort Hood, Texas, standing in the living room in front of the TV and Madonna was on the TV and feeling a sense of identity in watching Madonna perform. Right. And it was like a weird moment of both like, Oh, that's amazing you know she's performing she's dancing she's singing you know like this is crazy music I've never heard before and I, I like the melody sure but then also a feeling of like I could do that too and immediately recognizing but like wait I'm not that's not how people perceive me there's a disconnect really here. and how
0: old were you four or five huh and then, and then, what? How else did that? Then, impact?
1: after that, I distinctly remember, like, within a year or two after watching Rosemary's Baby, and like feeling oddly drawn to Mia Farrow because sure. she had like the pixie haircut, yeah. and I was like, oh, well, wait, maybe there's a chance for me because I have hair like that. That's how my parents get my hair cut. So maybe, maybe I'm not wrong. Maybe I could grow up to be like that.
0: Yeah, you could grow up to be a, a Mia, woman.
1: Ma- grow up to be Mia Farrow <laughs> <laughs> in particular. You might, yeah. All right. <laughs> lofty ambitions. Madonna yeah. <laughs> or Mia Farrow. I fell a little short, but role know, It's not over yet. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, all right. So you're playing guitar. You're 11, and you're starting to get the hang. You're starting to decide what music you like. 11 or 12.
1: Yeah. Well, no. I mean, I I, I got a Walkman when I was eight years old. Around when I first got a guitar, and I started buying metal tapes. Like I got Def Leppard. Hysteria was the first. So that, that, record that was I your music. Bought. Yeah, and that was like I was drawn to them because I saw in them ambiguity in the in their sex. But you, you also know, like liked the music. I did, although some of it really, you know. Well, yeah. I, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but I liked looking at them. But I mean, really. you could
0: find plenty of uh, ambiguity in rock music. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you felt that.
1: Right. But at the same time, too, because I lived overseas, I was totally cut off from MTV. Like, I right. really was stumbling into stuff on my own. So, like, I found Hit Parader magazine. I looked at the pictures oh, and yeah. I was like, I can't right. tell if these are boys or girls. Yeah. You know, like, and then sure. I'd go and buy the tapes and, and some stuff I'd like and some stuff I wouldn't. But you
0: found that a lot of what compelled you was the uh, the androgyny of the people
1: yeah but then like the bands i was really drawn to was like the had more of the nihilistic attitude like guns and roses in particular was like my band when i was a kid so they're a good band they had a appetite is great and i stand it's behind great. illusions too should have been illusions should have been one record but other than that right lies was good mm-hmm. i mean i i got no problem with i don't know what happened with
0: chinese democracy but that's, i bought uh, it so i can criticize it so. i know i bought it <laughs> yeah I, I, it wasn't i didn't like it no i don't know that i listened to it twice i listened to it i bought a bunch of times but i illusions you know. i listened to twice mm-hmm. so what was it so you reinventing axel rose was your first record right now all right but i don't want to miss a time chunk here so you lock into guns and roses at like 11 or what 10? eight years eight old. years old uh-huh that's when appetite when it first came out
1: 88 or 80, it came out 87 i was eight years old and, and he's a great fucking singer uh-huh compelling Totally, all right. of them are d- Duff and Slash, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like I wore a Sid chain because Duff wore one before I knew who Sid Vicious was. Right. So you were pretty primed by
0: the time you got to the Pistols mm-hmm. with Rock.
1: Yeah, I, I was. I, I knew a little bit. Yeah, a little bit.
0: <laughs> now, you know everything if you listen to Guns and Roses and you lock in at eight. What? A, what? A, it's all there. But but when do you start realizing that this is your future, and when do you start feeling? Like I'm I'm making an assumption in that as your creativity evolved and and became what it was in these first few records that your frustration with yourself must have been happening alongside of that.
1: Right um well, I mean, I made the decision was what I was going to do really young. Music-wise? Like, yeah. Like, I dropped out of high school when I was 16. I never had any doubts. I just knew this was gonna, what I was going to do one way or the other. Yeah. Even if I was unsuccessful at it, this is what I was going to do. But never,
0: you, never, you never started playing metal, though. You never started
1: playing No, metal. no. Like, the first bands I ever had, like, that. by that time, it was more grunge bands. Like, we'd cover Nirvana songs and Pearl Jam songs. Oh, yeah? And then, like, at the same time, doing, like, Pink Floyd songs or Beatles songs. And then that was, like, and then we got into to punk
0: rock. And that's how you learn how to play, I guess, basically, with other people, is play, the, play, yeah. the, play the hits, play it's the classics. It's stupid classic. how I
1: can still remember to play songs from then. Like, I know how to play Even Flow, but I don't remember how to play some of the songs I wrote like five years ago. Really? So. Well, it sticks with you, right? <laughs> it does, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why it's a hit song. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> so, because, like, I mean, like, when I listen to, like, some of the older stuff, like it's, it's sort of fascinating to me that there, you, you know, that the 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 punk rock form, like it feels a little familiar, like you like in in the sense that like the Clash or like I can tell where you're coming from, mm-hmm. but your singing is so you know kind of raw and brutal and 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 full of a uh, a type of intensity and anger that that is you know, rare and you know you don't sound like anybody else, but like in looking at the arc of your life, I have to assume that the anger that you were feeling became much more defined with this new record
1: for sure but also i mean it was like it was there i mean you mentioned that a second ago like really what like made the anger levels like grow and dysphoria grow as like my band progressed was as we experienced success uh and as you're further cast into because when we started out we started out with really like specific ideals of being against all that you know and like against
0: me it comes from what
1: uh, feel, being 17 years old and feeling like everything in the world's conspiring against you. you and know? then you're like, pushing back with this music. Sure. That was yeah. my outlet. And, you know, we were really starting out of the way the band started as far as on an acoustic guitar. It was because, like, I didn't have an electric guitar, so I played an acoustic guitar. The drummer didn't have a drum set, so we dumpstered up pickle buckets, made a drum set, and that's what we did. And we didn't have places to play because it was South Florida, so we busked on the street. And then eventually, like, you well, met At least you people. were set up for that. Yeah. Well, that was the idea, yeah. you know, like, and that was what it was modeled well, well, that's it. how. Well, that's. I
0: think that's that's how Billy Bragg sort of started. I think, and the Violent Femmes kind. Of, and there was totally. Bands and I was
1: heavily, heavily influenced by both of them. And oh, really? Like, yeah, that was part of the beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, know? yeah.
0: So, so you're busking, and you're doing this. You're doing your original songs. Yeah, uh-huh. and they're sort of. So those were a couple of your influences, but there's some Clash in there. Sure, the Clash. And
1: again, like all the peace punk bands, Crass, like Crass The Mob, yeah. like Flux of Pink Indians. But that and comes a little later. You
0: can't really do that with an acoustic and, and buckets. Right.
1: You? Well, when I was 14 years old, I got arrested and it was like life-changing experience for me. Because I was like 14 years old, beat up by the cops, charged with resisting arrest and a battery on an officer, tried as an adult, convicted as a felon. By the time I was 15 years old. For what? what I went to the beach 4th of July there was I like ran into the wrong cops I was a dirty smelly punk kid and I got lippy with them when they got up in my face and then they beat me up
0: and were you playing in a band at that point or no
1: yes I was playing in a band not against me but I was playing in a punk band at that point uh-huh. I had like so black this spiky was, this hair almost like, like a rites to passage yeah I guess I mean I didn't see it coming but yeah
0: so but I, I mean so what happened why was it a life changing experience I mean because I was fucked you know like
1: <laughs> I was I was 15 years old and I was a twice convicted felon like I had really already sealed my deal as far as what my options were for the future. But like they, I was did, tried as an adult. I but was You didn't do jail time, did you? No, I got like 180 hours of community oh service, and I was on house arrest for a whole summer. You know, I was like lowjacked. So where the fuck did you do <laughs> that much community service? Uh, I worked in a hospital, and I volunteered in the cardio wing, like giving people like uh, Jello cups and, and water after they'd been walking. The on punk a treadmill. kid with the Jello cups. And I, then I did Habitat for Humanity, and then I did like uh, you could cons- choose. what you could do well i just had a lot of hours so i had to do a bunch of stuff and then there was this place the conservancy that was like a nature conservancy so well that
0: must have been some of those sound pretty good like they could have been good experiences
1: i got great things out of them but it was like when you're 15 years old and you're in that situation you're scared shitless and my mom didn't have any money and like they're threatening you like you're gonna go to jail or you're gonna go to juvie you know and i didn't want to do that you know i wanted to hang out with my friends and play music right and so like i immediately had that weight on me you know and and it was at that point because up until then like i had already gotten into drugs and alcohol and stuff like that what was your shit um i really liked tripping on acid and i really liked coke and i really liked smoking weed and at that point when i got arrested i just like sobered up and Uh i was like 16 years old trying to get focused get on track and and that was when i started playing music and that's when i or like more seriously and stumbled into against me
0: so you stopped doing the the drugs Mm -hmm. and just full-on focus so that's where all that insane that uh, you know, vocal energy comes from you. Just the clarity of a pure anger. And I was fear. pissed. Yeah, I was pissed.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but then, like, it sort of—it seems to me like you know in um you know, maybe being presumptuous, or or, or maybe not fully. You know recognizing the the arc of it. it it just seems like you know the first couple records are, are full-on and then at some point around the third record you, you, you did become a little self-aware and that you were shifting your, your your perception of what you were really doing creatively
1: sure yeah and a lot of that just had to come it came with success because like we came from the scene that was really about this certain thing DIY punk ethics who
0: is in and, and, and you guys you honored that by like there was no punk scene like you did what a lot of the bands a lot of the guys I've we talked to we started it
1: ourselves yeah put right. out our own first but records. this is two yeah.
0: decades I mean this is a decade later from the original wave of those guys Shh, right or at sh- least this is like well we, like you you did have the internet
1: yeah, yeah, totally. And but it was coming as it was all happening and file sharing was happening and that right. was all changing, but it was, you know, like I was dealing with a much different perspective than people must have assumed I was dealing with. And part of that for me was always being r- recognizing like that I was dealing with dysphoria, you know, or like that I had that. And so it like always skewed my perspective. But that's of, like, retrospect, you're, this is retrospect that you're saying that with. Like I mean, you sure? You, sure. No, but it's attached me, you know, like I saw things like okay, like this is my circumstance, right? This yeah. Is what I'm facing. I'm playing in this band. These people are now calling me a sellout because we moved to a slightly bigger indie label. They're giving us all this money. All of a sudden, we got a lawyer, we got a manager, we got a booking. and agent. Your original fans are fuck youing you. Yeah, and they're like slashing our tires, being really? physically abusive, attacking us ch- at shows. On. Hold on. <laughs> so when you
0: start out, when you put you
1: yourself did your first record, right? First like two, like a seven inch and a twelve inch we put out. Just like you know. So that's
0: like that's righteous to that crew, the, uh-huh. the DIY punk rock crew, and they they can buy them at your shows. And they can buy your T-shirts, and right. it's you're like playing, five
1: bucks for a twelve.
0: And you're shit. playing on bills. Did you spend any time opening for acts that you respected? That we just kind of booked shit? our
1: own tours and went out and did our own tours. So like, there was never playing any of in that. house shows, play, playing in basements, playing on the streets. Still, like playing. Sometimes you get a club gig, but it was all booking it yourself for the first like four or five years.
0: But there was never the the sort of like uh, you know the you know uh, a, a bigger punk band came into town. They needed a punk opener. And well,
1: in Gainesville, where we moved to, No Idea Records exists, and No Idea does a really good job of documenting the punk scene there and they've had a couple bands like Hot Water Music and Less Than Jake that have gone on to do things you know they took notice of us we put out a record with them and that was like the first step to a really small indie and already then people decried like sellouts but then well then we moved to like Fat Records which is like slightly bigger you know indie a yeah. band that you know run by Fat Mike who we had grown up listening to effects right. and then that was like even more intense wave of like your sellouts you know like total which why because no effects was sellout at that point Did because they... it was a bigger indie and then we started working with but like who the an... fuck are these people <laughs> they're punks <laughs> no I get it but like the, at, at a certain point do you realize like we might have to lose a... they'll come back around well no I mean it was more just realize the hypocrisy of it but once I saw that hypocrisy of it then I like was like oh fuck this the, you know like do the punk thing think for yourself these are my circumstances this is what I have to do. These are the decisions that are right for me. There's nothing wrong with doing the things I want to do. Right. And so I wanted to be in a band and play for larger audiences. And as you do that more and more, because we were touring like, you know, fucking nine months out of the year, playing like 200 some odd shows a year, like driving ourselves into the ground. And most of the time we were homeless, you know? Like, so eventually you're like, oh, it'd be nice to have an apartment. <laughs> you
0: know, like... <laughs> yeah,
1: you don't be a be grown up. up. A shower. Yeah, yeah, like, My own shower. That'd be great, you know?
0: But like, you know, when I... It, so like that so around the third record that's the new label well
1: that's when like yeah and we started getting major label attention and we got courted one whole round and like turned it down got a bigger deal from like our indie and then went and like finally ended up signing with warner sire
0: so what was that record that we cross or which record was the first record on the new label
1: uh the first record on the major label was new wave
0: okay so because like like i listened to a few of the songs and it seems that like as you're saying you know, that these punks sort of abandoned you or they slashed your tires or they were mad that you were sellouts, that you also realized the limitations of that of, the, of that outlook. Sure, totally, totally. Uh-huh. <laughs> like you were maturing along with your success. Right. In a mm-hmm. way, it wasn't killing you.
1: No, I and mean, it was healthy. That was like the one good thing I had going for me, you know? So now, so this, um,
0: the uh, dysphoria, because like, you know, I imagine I had dysphoria mm-hmm. for one reason or another. So like you're malcontent, uh you, you know at, at that juncture where you know you blow out you blow yourself out on all the punk rock shit and obviously you get a little older a little more successful and you're still feeling a little shitty then, then it starts to become about something else, not just about, you know,
1: class warfare or... or well, or, then or the gi- dysphoria comes back, yeah, because that was the thing, is like, you know, you jump into this where you're like, oh, shit, our band's getting, like, traction, and we're gonna go off, and we're gonna tour for three, four years or something, and then you're still unhappy, and at first you were able to push the dysphoria aside because you're able to solely focus on that, you know? Like, I'm going to be this person, I'm going to do this
0: well, thing. Well, wh- wh- how are you operating wi- within the band? I mean, how where was your sexuality at?
1: Um, I mean to put in it was there you know well I got I got married when I was 19 years old and I was married from when I was 19 and we probably became estranged from each other when I was like 21 yeah so then like 22 to 23 I was going through the whole like oh shit my marriage just fell apart like really throwing this is the first
0: marriage or the one that just ended my first marriage so you've been married twice yes okay
1: and so then like, 19 yeah and so 22 and 23 24 were like the lost years of coming out of a marriage and being really fucked up and sleeping out or sleeping around a lot and yeah you're in a band that's touring bunch and just doing stupid shit right so uh what where'd you meet that woman um at a bar well no on i don't where did i meet her no i i met her at an activist info shop (laughs) at the civic media center i think an active an activist info shop Oh. A non-corporate press uh, uh, library, lending library, and activist space in Gainesville, Florida, called the Civic Media Center is where we met. What was was that place? What did they have there? I volunteered there. It was like an activist organizing center. Like everything from like a women's group to like, you know, radical bike workshops to activist training. uh,
0: Like a a full-service activist uh, training Mm
1: -hmm. center? (laughs) Totally, (laughs) totally, exactly. Uh, Whatever
0: (laughs) (laughs) What... (laughs) What are you fighting against? It's <laughs> so the basic capitalism. Rules. Capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> capitalism is that was the oh, only, that's a big enemy. one. That's, that's a big one. We're gonna <laughs> have to get a few books out. There's a few <laughs> booklets on capitalism. <laughs> Noam Chomsky's
1: luckily written a bunch. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs>
0: getting through the Noam Chomskys.
1: Did you read all of his? I did. I read all the Emmett Goldman, all the Peter Kropotkin, all that stuff. So you, you were you just got a head full of it? Oh uh, yeah, I I, I mean I, I used to volunteer there and I booked shows there. They'd let me book punk shows and that was where against me just like played all the time because that was the only place that so, would let us play. So
0: your singular political agenda was against capitalism? Um, In your mind.
1: I mean, at the time, it was really against, like, you know, the World Trade Organization at the time of, like, the 1999, like, riots in Seattle. All that protest movement was really happening. And that was, like, all my friends were a part of that. I had, like, connected with an activist group in Florida doing Food Not Bombs. And we organized into something called FRAN, which was the Florida Radical Activist Network. Uh And we'd meet up, like, once a month, all talk about what we had going on in our area. And then organize, like, rides to bigger protests or demonstrations against, like... So you've been an activist all your life. Really, in one form or another, yeah. Huh. So that's
0: pretty earnest, man.
1: That's some (laughs) earnest punk shit.
0: Because I'm sort of fascinated with the whole, the whole sort of like now, like as I said at the beginning, this record. You know, when I when I read the lyrics and I listen to it, the activism, you know, is not. It's not. It's very personal. Mm -hmm. That because of of your transformation, that you know you've resolved some things in yourself and you realize there's still a lack of understanding and there's still a lot of reasons to be angry about you know, how you're in- interpreted. Sure. It's very personal, so you're bringing that same intensity that you saw global injustice you know, to this you know, very sort of, con- your heart's connected to
1: this in a way that is uh, non-negotiable. I'd like to think that it's a little smarter even than like the politics I was singing about when I was younger. I, I, I of mean, course. If you're familiar with like Embrace, Ian MacKay's band, your yeah. emotions are nothing but politics. And this is something that's really real to me. The things I was singing about when I was younger, while I felt the way I felt and yeah. still agree with it, I didn't have as big of an understanding or a worldview at 19 years old as I do now at 34, having like been around the world. A number of times you know
0: well yeah I mean I used to do political talk radio lefty talk radio and, and at some point I realized that like I don't know if I'm angry about these specific things I know that I'm angry hmm so let's address the existential and personal foundation or the core of that anger exactly and and do it so so you were married once and that fizzled out and then you went through heartbreak when do you start wrestling with the desire to to uh, become a woman
1: well like 2005 or so you know I'd gotten really fucked up on cocaine and then 2005 I was like I'm gonna be sober I got sober so you went back to drugs yeah, yeah cleaned myself up and like at the same time after having gone through a bout of like the way it worked back then was like these experience of extreme dysphoria and then like binging and purging and being like no you know like I'm going to be a man this is what I'm going to do I'm going to pretend I do not feel this way and that coincided with like signing a major record label deal and then you're swept off on that roller coaster but then come down from that you know when like you do two records and they're not a success or anything like that we went through this fucking lawsuit with the next manager things like you know like friends die shit happens in life and you realize like I still feel this way you know I'm up you're uncomfortable and and I like I'm living this two separate lives I'm married I now have a kid we bought a house you know like and I don't know who I am you know right so
0: when you did that and when you got married that second time you know was it you know a were you reacting to your feelings did you think that by doing that you know you could sort of train yourself into that life
1: I think about it often just because I wonder if it's, like, subconscious, you know, because I would hate to think that. But I was really, like... You know, I got focused, I got sober, I got healthy. I was yeah. like, you know, I wasn't fucked up making yeah. bad decisions. And then I fell in love. And I, w- I didn't want to fall in love, but I fell in love. And it was more that, like, I fell in love and I n- ignored really being totally honest, probably, about who I was as falling in love. You know, and just, like, suppressed, suppressed. But that made me more and more unhappy, As especially as, like, you're kind of pushed into fitting this, like, cis-normative lifestyle of, like, you know... Husband, wife, kid, cars in the garage. It's weird how house. powerful that is. Yeah, and then you're like, oh my f- fucking god! Like the walls would just like felt like they were coming in more and more.
0: When when you said you questioned the or you were you, you know in retrospect you know trying to understand what falling in love meant. Now what? Now is your sexual orientation always been towards women? Yeah, mm-hmm. and still.
1: Mm-hmm. So. That must be. I mean, that's not to say I haven't made out with a couple of guys or anything like that. No, but, no, no. You know, I, you know, I know, like... but I'm
0: just like in in terms of, and I'm not. It's not a judgment thing. It's just like I'm just wondering where the fight was. Mm-hmm. Like when you say you fell in love with her, and you 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 sort of question whether or not that was a sort of like uh you know whether it was earnest or not or whether you're just subconsciously trying to fit into something. Uh, It was just, I just wondered what the the whole dynamics of that would be. But you just... Well, because
1: you're just being, you're existing. And at the time too, especially like, I mean, you have to realize that I probably didn't hear the word transgender until I was, like, maybe even 26 or 27. It's you a pretty know? new for everybody, right? Right. I think. So, like, I didn't understand myself. It's not like I was carrying around. I still don't fucking understand myself, but it's not like I was carrying around full knowledge of, like, this is who I am and I have to hide this from everybody. It was like, oh, my God, I have all these feelings that are tearing me apart inside and I don't know how to reconcile them with with life and and what i'm doing and who i am you know and like i don't know what i'm supposed to do with this the idea of transitioning even like was a far-off concept that i'd only ever like you know maybe heard about once or twice
0: i think we're all you know like from my where i'm sitting you know i i I am not like i'm 51 years old so so i missed the the movement in a way Mm -hmm. of 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 the trans movement i mean i i knew it existed but now it's like really you know in the forefront of, of, you know, gender politics and, and also the gender discussion totally. in this country. And I'm still like an old man when it, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I had to be schooled on the word tranny. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and, and then I, you know, I talked to RuPaul who loves that word, but, but like, I understand. It's a
1: very like divisive word. No, I know. I, yeah. and, and then mm-hmm. I
0: get why. Mm-hmm. And, and like, and I'm in no position necessarily to use that. Well, I don't need to use that word, you know, but RuPaul can. Right. uh huh <laughs> You know, but, um, all right, so, so now you're married, and now these feelings are becoming oppressive and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and completely uncomfortable. So, do you tell your wife? I did. I came out. Yeah. Uh huh. Well, what does that mean? That you, when you come out like that, what do you say?
1: Well, like I went, you know, like I dealt with these feelings to the point where I was like, this isn't going away, you know? So, I was like, what, what is I need to be a woman. or I need to yeah like just like you know transitioning the idea of whatever that meant of like coming out with the way I felt and saying like look I'm transgender or I'm a transsexual this is the way I feel I want to transition I don't know what that means but I want to transition like I mean the the level of of uh, information out there was like pretty like it's like youtube testimonial videos you know like a couple fucking lo-fi websites that like point you in directions you know and i was like living in yeah, la at the time like staying up like watching these testimonial videos right, right. and it's like okay yeah, i think you can get on hormones you yeah. know like okay there's doctors that can do surgeries like i don't fucking know where to turn to so yeah, you know like,
0: but you were you were like you were sort of like i, I gotta start this
1: yeah i mean what'd your wife say? Um, I, you know, she said, okay, like, that's okay. You know, like, I, like, I just came out to her and said, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a transsexual. I'm, I want to transition. And I don't, she didn't know what that but meant. But had you
0: been a practicing transsexual? What does that mean?
1: Practicing? I'm practicing my transsexualism. Why? Well, I mean, nightly. did you, no. <laughs> like,
0: uh, like, um. I guess I
1: mean, like, did you dress? you know, did you find comfort? a dress and femme? Sure. yeah, and totally. And like that would, but like I have a lifestyle that like I spend a lot of time alone. and sometimes I'm like really by myself. like when I'm working with a band producing a record and I'm living in a hotel room or I'm sure I'm on tour, I have a really separate life from that. So it was like, I was living two lives. Yeah, I was fucking living half a life in a hotel room. and when I was in a hotel room, I was, you know, expressing the way i felt i was her or you're, whatever we
0: were putting on makeup and like dressing and in, in like wearing the
1: clothes <laughs> yeah, yeah dressing wearing the clothes yeah, yeah. wearing women's clothes yeah. mark yeah. <laughs> yeah but it was it's I'm not up. shy no but it's a to... terrible experience like yeah. that because you know you're you're in this like stupid fucking high stress situation where you're like okay you know i gotta go into some shitty department store to buy clothes that i don't even want to wear really because it's not my style but this is the only way i can fucking like relax and and really t- express this 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 fucking like way I feel to calm this like tension that I feel inside of me because otherwise I'm going to fucking like snap on someone and just lose it. You know, that's, that's
0: profound. So, and then I guess what you're saying is that because you were living these separate, this separate life and it was like really limited to these hotel rooms when you were working that it's hard not to associate that with the idea of shame.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, you feel like you're almost having an affair, and we're, you are hiding something, you right. know. And it's like, why can't I just fucking be who I am whenever I want to be who I am? You so know, you're in, in this my hotel, home. right?
0: So you're in this hotel room, losing your mind, and you're like, I just need to. Like, what pieces of clothing were, would be the most comforting? What pieces of clothing? Gro- like, well, you go to a department <laughs> store, and what do you buy? A dress? Do
1: you buy a robe? Do you buy some <laughs> panties? What do you do? <laughs> panties is a gross word. I what don't know. Underwear isn't it a gross what, word. What, what, um, You just like whatever Fucking even like A fucking woman's cut shirt A woman's cut tension. top uh, Like anything to express femininity Yeah and then you'd feel better Like you'd be like Yeah I'd feel like okay I'm like expressing the way I feel Even though it's like A weird fucked up version of it Right It's not like it's it, that that was even more dysphoric than just being as I am now. But, you know, that changes the experience being out with it. Now it's a totally different thing. It's not like I get off by going to a fucking department store no, now know, and no, buying I, pa- panties I, and going to I, I, a hotel room and then fucking going to a hotel and rubbing them or right, something. No, that's,
0: <laughs> no, no. no I and mean, I, I didn't think that to begin with, but it was really the idea of because I think everyone uh, or, or most people deal with that a discomfort that that seems like it can't be resolved right mm-hmm. and that you know you were able to address it so specifically and 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 have to reckon with that and not feel ashamed of it or, or or feel like a freak for it other than the you know the idea that you were hiding something you know it's a it's a big it's a big step right obviously and to realize you had to take it and then to take it is you know it's it's big because i think that you know a lot of people that have the same feelings just die with them
1: mm-hmm it's, right that's the case i mean well if you look at suicide suicide statistics among the transgender community you know it's like something like 50 percent at least attempt you know
0: that's it's horrible mm-hmm.
1: you didn't no but i've been slowly trying to kill myself for the past 34 years with alcohol and drugs as a result of that yeah. you know i mean i feel like that that was the unhealthy so you're, side you're, of you it. don't do any drugs or alcohol anymore I do, but um, I I mean now it's like now know. it's just fun now? now. No, no, seriously, it is now it's just <laughs> recreational and not fucking dysphoria in like related. You know? Yeah, I guess.
0: Okay, <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> you can, I guess uh, you know you'll you'll deal with that other shit later. Let's maybe talk,
1: let's do a part two to this podcast. Uh, yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, i have talked to you in a few years. <laughs> See how your 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 happy-go-lucky drug use. <laughs> But like but you i'm just de- talking about smoking a little weed but like the like the lyrics in this fucking record you know deals with all that you mm-hmm. deal with the suicidal you know uh with with the suicide uh of people that that can't live with it or, or whatever right and you deal with uh your own sort of wrestling with it you deal with the and i i always assume that people write these from first person mm-hmm. but like you know the the idea of being totally closeted and being a bully is in here is in this record and then the um like the the discomfort this the first song like is is really the 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 transgender the the title song dysphoria blues is like that to me it was a, it's a powerful fucking song man
1: well that's talking about like that experience you know going into those department stores or going into like you know whatever store when you're perceived as male and you're buying something and the red cash register is looking at you like you're disgusting. You know, like they don't even want to take the money out of your hand. But they what don't.
0: about when you even? But what about now? That like the, I thought, like some of that song had oh, to do. With, I mean,
1: that's not. It's not like that's gone, right? You like know? the okay. idea that uh-huh. you have to, you know, you have to honor yourself
0: uh-huh. and you have to honor your feelings and, and be who you need to be. But you cannot escape the judgment of of being physically who you are of other people,
1: right? But by owning it, like I've been able to like feel a lot more comfortable and confident in a in a fuck you way in the in a punk rock way of like. Okay, when you're hiding it, you feel shameful and that in turn makes you feel defensive and Mm -hmm. closed off as opposed to being open about it and just being out there and being like, look, I am who I am, you know, like you may not fully understand that and I don't really care, but I am who I am and I have a right to be here. I have a right to shop in the store. I have a right to do this, do that, do whatever, whatever I want (laughs) to do. And I don't have to explain it to you or justify it to you. Right, I'm just going to do it. Right, And, And if you have a problem... (laughs) <laughs>
0: yeah, I get it. Fuck you. Yeah. It's your problem. It's your ho- problem. hope you can deal with that problem. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, whereas before you felt scared and I didn't want to feel scared, you know?
0: Well, it, yeah, it's, it's it's easy to feel scared if you, you know, you're going, like you want to be understood on your own terms and not misunderstood because you're caught doing something right mm-hmm. do you know what i mean like you know because then you're all of a sudden you got it you're in that weird explaining yourself position right like, and I'm that just...
1: was something i thought about too having a kid where i was like what am i going to be like 50 60 years old and i'm going to get caught and like yeah you know like being that like i don't want that situation you know well, how old's the kid uh my daughter is now five
0: and how how is that all with the x and stuff
1: Um, we're not in a good spot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not not really, you know, but what did,
0: did, but did the, the separation have to do with you actually, you know, engaging in the transition process? I mean, was it something she couldn't handle and then, then,
1: no, I mean, I think it's all on me, you know, like I had a suicidal nervous breakdown about a year after coming out and I just like dissolved as a person, you know, I would like really, but you didn't attempt suicide. I I did. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Wow. How? Yeah. Pills and, and alcohol.
0: Yeah, classic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, go with the classics. Yeah.
0: But but this is a year in a year after you came out. Mm-hmm. And what what broke apart inside
1: you? Um it was a combination of things. Uh you know, there was the the mental side where like I legitimately lost the foundation of why i was tra- transitioning because i saw that my marriage had like gotten so far away from me because i had been like i was scared you know was working on a record doing transitioning publicly i had a studio so i was just like locking myself in my studio 10 yeah. hours a day working on a record which i legitimately needed to do was but it also, this record yeah, yeah but also i was hiding you know like yeah and then and then realizing like my marriage had fallen apart and just like that crushed me but then at the same time too I started having like this weird reaction to the hormone replacement therapy I was on and so I it turned out once I moved to Chicago and I got medical help that I had been living with a parasitic infection in my intestines and so at the time I had been on estrogen uh, progesterone and spironolactone and so apparently the progesterone had been converting into pregnazone which was causing these like crazy hot flashes and I was like waking up in the middle of the night and like my arms would be clenched to my chest and I couldn't take them down and I would be like burning with sweat take a shower come out and be it'd be like 60 degrees in the hotel room and I was just messed up mm-hmm. and living in Florida going through transition you know like it's just totally different than other places where there was like one doctor I could see one therapist I could see dealing with gender and so I called the endocrinologist I was dealing with this was in June at the time, yeah. and there like the soonest you can be seen is August so it was just like terrible healthcare I was in a bad situation and had to and, and was really messed up you know and it all kind of like was a perfect storm like a tree fell through the roof of my studio too and destroyed it my bass player quit my drummer had already quit like I was just why they in, quit various reasons Yeah, I mean, like, really, the drummer and the bass player are totally separate things. The drummer is just kind of a jerk. Um, And the the bass player was a dear friend, time for him to move on unrelated to that, you know, like, like, that's the tough thing going through a lot of this stuff, even in relation to, to my ex of that's obviously what it seems like then is like you defer to the fact of like, oh, you're transitioning. Is it related to that? Why like certain things fell apart? Sometimes I wonder about that, but at the same time, like it did set off a chain of like a bunch of changes are now going to take place within your life, you know, and a lot of that is just. The way it is in life and it's all a sudden things starts moving. Yeah, yeah, it is. But and and I don't mind taking like I don't mind accepting all the blame for anything. I just would hate to ever put blame or put any kind of guilt on someone else. Oh, for, oh if, for, if,
0: if, if you didn't know that yeah, for sure that, you know, that's like, what they were reacting to.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Like I can't say that about right. anyone. Sure. And I and sure. and if they do feel that way, then that's fine and fair and that's totally cool. But I would hate for them to ever feel guilt for right. feeling anything like that. Right,
0: right, right. You just so you're empathetic to the struggle that they they may have within themselves.
1: Totally, everyone processes like you know the news of someone coming out in that way in a different way. I think you know.
0: Well, I think that it's like you know coming out in this way you know is a is a is a relatively newish thing. You know, I, cause I, like you said, I mean, I, I don't know that, you know, everywhere you can just make this decision and enact it and enact it. I mean, coming out as a, as a, as a gay person, I mean, that's sort of been around a while. Right. But you know, something sort of like, all right, cause there's more to understand. I would think for some people, I'm like, wait, so you're, how far is this going to go? When, you know, what, what is, how are you oriented? Like there's other questions. If someone says I'm gay, they're like, oh, okay. So that's what you are then. But this is, you know, a little more complicated in a way.
1: I think in a way, though, that also those questions, which are really heavily placed on you when you first come out, can often, like, create this pressure on a trans person that's unrealistic. Because you're asking someone who's trans to explain something they don't understand totally. They're just taking a step. And they're saying... I identify in a way that's different than you probably identify. We're going <laughs> to yeah. call that trans. Okay. Now I'm taking the step to figuring out what that means and figuring out what I want to do. Maybe that means hormone replacement therapy. Maybe that means eventual surgeries. Yeah. But it doesn't always have to. Right. You know? Sure. So placing this pressure to like, you have to give an answer now. You're going to get surgery? You're going on hormones? What are you going to do? You know? like yeah. yeah. It creates this like mind fuck of a pressure like cooker where you're just like right. I don't know. I, I don't know. I and just... especially when you do it publicly and you're like doing interviews and, yeah. you, and people want to uh, you have to have like this the so that set happened. of answers so that happens that was pressure yeah yeah mm-hmm. and
0: that contributed to the breakdown
1: I think so like yeah.
0: you like oh, well, should I know the answer to these questions <laughs> do I do I need to do it to appease them
1: yeah need, well, it to, gets in your head where you're like what way I don't what am I doing as that's reactionary or what am I doing because I need to fit into someone else's understanding of an interpretation of gender or what am I doing because it actually makes me feel more right in my body right that's hard to do in the public eye that's hard to do out of the public eye that's hard to do in general sure it's just it's
0: it's interesting to me because you know i you know i i have my own um like i i don't know how to talk about it i'd imagine that most people don't want to talk about it so i and, 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 this is the best way to talk about it right.
1: though i think you no,
0: know no absolutely but like i'd imagine the 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 reactionary kind of like sensationalizing thing in in a conversation publicly about this, in, in a press situation, they may not try, try be trying to be sensationalistic. They're just sort of like, what what what's happening? You know, what are you going to do now? Do you do you have a vagina? When does that happen? Is that what year does it, is it in progress? I mean, like I think there's a it, there's a fascination that may or may not come from the right place, mm-hmm. but it's still there, right? And and I I never really I guess the the empathy necessary for 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 the culture. To sort of understand that you don't have those answers is a new thing totally and and it's you know it's uh it's it's interesting this is like this is new new shit it's a brave new world it is Uh uh-huh like because i go up like i've i've made bad jokes before in my life but sometimes i think that in order for a culture to transition with you Uh uh-huh you know you you, a lot of times people are just laughing because they're uncomfortable
1: sure that's a legitimate like response that happens yeah, you know and right. it's a much better one than violence right you know, or, or fuck life. you
0: or immediate boxing of the person mm-hmm.
1: i mean it is a sign of internalized transphobia that you, you've been ingrained with by growing up in a society that is transphobic you know that's taught to you that's yeah. taught to me that's what like instilled that's how i knew without it wasn't like my parents sat me down one day and they were like don't be transsexual, all right? Yeah, that wasn't <laughs> like, even on the menu. Right, right. So you learn about it because you see like, oh, sensationalized like headlines in like supermarket stands. Oh, Silence of the Lambs. Oh, like Ace Ventura. Oh, like, you know, all these things are thrown at you where it's usually the butt of the joke. It's a scary thing. It's obviously an unacceptable thing. It's a laughable thing most of the time. But it's So also, that's just instilled in you too. Yeah,
0: but, but also the thing that cuts through all that. I mean, you know, I think more than- you know whatever values someone might have or whatever ideas
1: or expectations they might have it's it confronts their sexuality i i but thi- that's that's like part of it why you know It's a conversation I've had with a friend of mine specifically in regards to transgender women, Mm -hmm. you know, and the levels of violence that that, you know, like they're subject to often. And like, why is it a violent reaction? And it has to do with, you know, whether or not it challenges your sexuality of like, so you look at a woman, right? Mm -hmm. And you check her out and then you realize maybe, oh, shit, that woman has a dick, right? Mm -hmm. And that challenges your sexuality. Why? Right? but also like you're looking well, that, at the they, woman because it's a sexist patriarchal society Right. and that's most men's immediate but thing I, they I, do I, when I, they look at a woman I, but you know I'm not they're like saying... checking her out and then they realize like oh this this person doesn't fit what i thought they fit and now this somehow is an affront to my sexuality but it does sort of provoke something
0: where it's sort of like it's initially confusing and if feelings happen within somebody you know how they're going to interpret them like there there is it's an it's a new experience mm-hmm that is sexual
1: sure yeah I, I mean in that context it's a sexual experience yeah but i'm saying that the root of that yeah has to do with more of like that it's a sexist society sure and that that's the way it works sure. um but i also say to back that to back up for a second or on a related note or whatever too if you look at the number of people looking at transsexual porn on the internet it's cis men you know like those are the people who are looking at transsexual porn are are straight men you know like so what does that say then too yeah it's okay to do it in the closet but if you're caught doing it in real life then you like it's
0: I don't know if I'd assume that they're all closeted because they're watching that porn there might not be
1: no I'm just saying they don't know how to interpret what they're feeling you know they don't realize that that they're attracted to that person because they're a woman despite the fact that their genitals might be a Little different than another woman's, but in my experience a lot with all the right. women that right. I've like slept with, they all have pretty different pussies yeah. or fucking whatever, sure. you know. Like they
0: do, yeah. Mm-hmm. Same with same with cocks. <laughs>
1: there you go. You know.
0: <laughs> what was the point of getting into that? I don't remember.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we we're just riffing. I thought. <laughs>
0: but um, so where are you at with the whole thing?
1: with the whole thing i don't know I i'm not just saying living right no i don't know i'm just living you so know what, i feel in a good place but like, in the
0: treatments and like how does it you know where'd you level off i mean you went through you had the, the nervous breakdown you were on medicine mm-hmm. and and hormones and estrogen that were not balanced properly is that something you know as you transition that you you wean yourself off of do you hit a level with it no do you have to well,
1: continue taking these pills i mean it's it well it depends on who you go to but like so there was the level I was getting of healthcare in Florida. When I moved to Chicago, Chicago's informed consent, where you can go into a doctor, say yeah. this is what I'm doing, and you get access to hormones. Uh-huh. Got much better healthcare in in Chicago, and then I've been on injectables since I've lived in Chicago.
0: And that's something you have to just keep doing.
1: Yeah, once a week you give yourself a shot.
0: Mm-hmm. And 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 you're
1: you're you're leveled off with the with the process now. You're I, don't good. What, I don't know. I don't know. You're good. I mean, I again. I'm. I feel way more comfortable about myself. I'm happy. I'm doing what I'm doing. It's really hard to transition when you tour, like uh, traveling. I, it's hard for me to get refills of prescription. You know, like it's hard for me to make appointments to go through things like electrolysis you know i don't know like all this stuff is stuff i think about constantly it's not like all of a sudden i was like and um you know like no I'm but just, like i'm like, just doing me but I'm do imagine. you feel
0: like you do you like you now that you're into it like what has it been two years uh 2012
1: is when i came out so right? three years 2013. but remember. since
0: yeah. you've you know actively been doing the therapies to transition it's been uh-huh. like three years yeah Now, are you feeling like, I guess my question is around, you know, what you were freaking out about before in terms of the questions, you know, like, like now that you've sort of started this thing, are you like, okay, or do you, are you looking to do more?
1: I feel like that I have a much better understanding of of what I need and what makes me feel right, than I did three years ago, certainly more than I did 10 years ago, right. 20 years ago. Right. But I feel like that in another three years, another four years, another five years, I will even have an even better understanding of who I am and what I need. Uh-huh. I don't think that that's something that you can ever fully feel uh, like complete with or anything like really? that. Really? At least for me.
0: Huh. Okay. I, I guess so. I mean, but that's sort of like to me, like it's a, it's it's sort of like, like, with drugs or something like that, or or, or that feeling of not being complete in other ways. You, you know, like that. Is is there something? Are, are you doing anything else around the psychology of of dysphoria that isn't you know transition related? Did you ever address? Are there issues to your discomfort mentally or? I'm trying to, you know, yeah.
1: like I, I, I am an existentialist, you know, and I, like I oftentimes feel locked in thinking about things and thinking about the bigger th- picture of things and what certain things mean. And you know, I don't know how to reconcile with my life beyond where my tour dates end, yeah. And and that that's like I live a really weird life. I know, know but like,
0: like, what if you were to quiet it down? I mean, what do you like? I, I like see like I, I'm a guy. I'm a recovery guy, so I I, mm-hmm. I haven't done shit in like 15, 16 years. You know that that was my problem. Right. But do I feel whole and complete all the time? No, I feel better about myself. I feel comfortable in my skin, but there's still something like you know, what does it all mean? What's the fucking point? Yeah. So, you know, that hasn't
1: gone away. No, I very much still have that. Yeah. <laughs> that's there. I don't want that to go away in a way, you know? Like, I know. I think that's, well, that's healthy.
0: Sure it is. Yeah, but you should have some peace of mind.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a trip, you know, like... And, I, like, I can't imagine.
0: I didn't mean to cut you off, but I can't imagine that, like, it took me, like, you know, years. Like, I don't think I arrived in my body... Uh, until maybe five or six years ago, just, you know, when I started to get successful and feel like that I'd, I'd worked very hard all my life to do something. I did. It was a self-esteem problem. Sure. You know, and it, and it just it sort of happened organically, but I felt it happen. So I, I imagine on, on some level that, you know, you taking this, you know, this, making this transition has given you some of that. I mean your your self esteem must be better and your comfort. Hundred percent.
1: hundred percent. My problems now I guess are more just like normal problems of like, um oh, I'm going through another divorce, you know, and like yeah. oh I gotta deal with the fact that like I work and I travel and I have a kid and how do I balance like traveling life with having a kid and being able to be a part of my kid's life when I'm not necessarily getting along with the mother, you know, like those are just like the realities of life that everyone has those are minimal problems to what other people's problems are you know i have it really good in that i enjoy what i do i really love playing music i really love traveling how's know? the
0: community responded to all this
1: um you mean the community as in like music community the, or? Punks. the punks have been really supportive and really cool yeah a hundred percent no dicks there's been some dicks, but I mean, there's always a couple dicks. And then, but like, it, like people, don't anybody, read the comments, but you know, no, no but I mean, that.
0: bigger, I mean, bigger dicks. I mean, like, are there any, is there, have you had any experience with people that you respected or other musicians that have, have reacted poorly?
1: No. That's good. No. Uh-uh. Isn't that something? Yeah. It's, it's been really surprising, you know? Yeah. In a great way. And the bandmates, bandmates, totally cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's really not be- that big of a deal I think is what most people like get after a second they're just like oh okay you just like would prefer me to use feminine pronouns with you and then we're gonna practice at the same time and we're gonna go on tour and we'll hang out and have a fun fun time and you and still you- have the same sense of humor right. and like the same things and you just look cool. a like yeah, and cool <laughs> that's what we're doing you know like great easy <laughs> do you get attention from men um I, what do you mean? I like, mean
0: sexual attention. Uh, since you've like transitioned this
1: much, I, I guess I don't. Well, come know. on, <laughs> you want to look sexy, don't you? Sometimes you want to look pretty, don't you? Sure. Yeah. I mean, like, I liked. You know, I'm the singer in a band. I'm a little bit like arrogant and vain too. Where I uh-huh. think like everyone maybe has a thing for uh-huh. me to a certain extent. So <laughs> well, I guess that's the way I carry myself through the world, right? Right. You know. <laughs> well, that's good.
0: That's. I think that's a good rock and roll position to have. Right. All right. So. This the new record's done, you're touring on this record, oh. and you're big like i I didn't like you know I, I feel bad because i'm I'm so out of the loop, but I mean you have a big following, we you're a popular band
1: We have a modest following that I'm very happy with, and I really like yeah, our I, fans. believe me, I
0: understand I have a
1: modest following <laughs> as well. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't that modest of me <laughs> it was pretty good
0: but what do, would do you what how, how's your ego do you want more do you always want more do you want to be big do you want a stadium rock or i what mean do you want to do?
1: everyone does and especially like you want i f- don't it
0: makes me paralyzed with fear to really to, to try to well i'm a stand-up though and it's very personal in a way that you know that's just me up there so the idea of me performing for ten thousand people mm-hmm. uh
1: it's sort of like what could they want from me honestly like i'm happy that anyone wants to see me i mean that like genuinely of course like you want to feel like you're progressing and doing new things mm. and i don't want to feel like i'm just playing the same club over and over and over again you know and that it's never changing so you do want to feel like growth that's like natural i feel like in a healthy thing sure and, and ambition is a good thing sure um and wanting to feel like you're reaching more people especially it's so hard in the music industry these days where things are so skewed where it's like you know like each record we've sold or each record we put out last three records has charted higher yeah but like ultimately sold less <laughs> you know what i mean like it's sold less for sure week, but the chart position is higher so like you you know you you want some sign that you're still relevant in the music industry i don't know
0: well i mean sometimes it's just about the, fa- the people who come mm-hmm. you know sales are tricky you know <clears throat> i've only really talked to uh, i've talked to some you know big old dudes you know musician wise and a few young dudes but the only other real like honest punk that i talked to was you know patrick stickles from titus andronicus oh
1: okay yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: he's he's a piece of work but like (laughs) you know it seems like you guys i mean in a good way he's 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 he's, yeah he's something but like it seems like you know when you're at the level you're at it's just about touring constantly
1: yeah totally yeah and but that's what we've always been you know we we've always been a band that was about and you've got original guys with you still um my best friend james who i met on the first day of high school is my guitar player still to this day so yeah
0: that's sweet. And you get along.
1: And Fat Mike plays on your records? He played a couple on a couple songs on that record on Transgender Dysphoria Blues. Yeah. Good record. Thank you.
0: And what about like how's your mom handling all this?
1: My mom's great. She's been really supportive and from I mean, the get go? Yeah. Did,
0: did she experience concern
1: initially? Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean like she I I mean, she's a mom. Yeah. She worries. She's a parent. Yeah. You know, like I think she was just wants me to be happy ultimately. yeah, that,
0: yeah that is what they want. You think I think so. I mm-hmm. think I yeah, I would hope that. And your brother?
1: My brother's totally cool. Yeah? Mhm.
0: Just the dad. He's he's not he might not come around.
1: <laughs> I I hope maybe. I don't know, you know? I, I don't mean, know how to do that. That's a that was complicated regardless of of genetics for you.
0: Do what well, do you have do you visualize anything? I mean, do you see do you want something? What do you want?
1: I feel like that even though I'm 34 years old, that I'm still allowed to be the kid and that if they're the parent, that you know, Act you, co- like you come to me like <laughs> okay, so being my gonna, parent. You're going to hold out. <laughs> well, I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: All right. Well, we'll see what happens. Check guess. back in. Yeah. Nice talking to you. You too. That's it. That's the show. Um... I loved it. I love her, and uh, I you know, I liked her music. I hope you enjoyed that conversation, the talk. Hope you dug the talk. Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTFPod needs. Check the calendar. Boulder dates are coming up fast, and Denver dates are coming up fast. Uh, that's uh, Boulder, July 24th at the Boulder Theater in Boulder, Colorado, and Denver, July 25th at the Paramount Theater in Denver, Colorado. Uh, Portland this weekend is sold out. Thank you. On Thursday, I'll be talking to Ed Asner. And also, we'll have a little uh, shorty with Adam Goldberg, which was fun. So, look forward to that.